Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is September 16th, 2022. Boy, oh boy, where has the summer gone? Uh, Where is the year going? Uh, We're all getting older and maybe wiser, I hope. And certainly our country is getting crazier. Uh, There just doesn't seem to be an end to crazy. I thank you for joining me. There's so much going on in immigration that I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since I've last written an article for Front Page Magazine. This is a target-rich topic, target-rich environment, as they say, but it is coming at us from so many directions so quickly and with such devastating implications for America and Americans. And the problem is that the globalists, the radical left lunatics, Anybody who wants open borders because they're making huge amounts of money without any concern to the damage it does, the lives it's costing, I mean, this is incredible, will accuse anybody of suggesting that we actually enforce our laws as being a hater and an anti-immigrant. And in fact, recently I was looking at the Anti-Defamation League website, and my name shows up once again as a hater, as somebody who's anti-immigrant. There is nothing anti-immigrant about wanting to make certain that we don't allow criminals and terrorists and aliens with dangerous communicable diseases to enter the United States. There's nothing anti-immigrant about understanding that just as families have limitations, countries have limitations, and we can't simply throw open the doors and wave the welcome mat and say, come one, come all, which is precisely what Joe Biden and his administration have done. It's astonishing, it's disheartening, it's disconcerting. We have no idea who's here. No idea. We're talking about millions of people who have circumvented the vetting process, meager and ineffective as it is. I mean, look at the reports. And they're here. And everyone is so caught up in statistics. How many illegal aliens? How many on the terror watch list? And it's like box scores. We think it's a ball game. You know, it's the World Series. It's Super Bowl. I'll give you a number to think about. 19. 19. Why 19? Because that's all it took. 19 terrorist hijackers on September 11, 2001, killed more people in America than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. And the death count continues. And more money is being sought to care for the first responders and others who were sickened when the World Trade Center collapsed and toxins were released. And uh, people are dying, and they're dying terribly of cancer and all sorts of terrible diseases. You would think that the priority for our government would be the protection of the American people. You would think that the priority for our government 
would be national security, public safety, public health, that the prosperity and opportunities for Americans would be the priority of our government. Tragically, worryingly, nothing could be further from the truth. And there's nothing anti-immigrant about saying, let's keep out people who want to hurt us. We lock our doors at night. We won't open the door to a stranger until we're reasonably certain that the person seeking entry means to cause us no harm. That's not antisocial. It's common sense. And yet, look at what's happened with immigration. And it's not just the southern border. And that's one of the things that probably disturbs me more than anything. One of the things. Um, Why the focus on the southern border? I mean, I, I know why. But why has this always been the metric? You know, I, I have a, a different kind of a background from most people because I worked for the INS for 30 years. And when I hired on way back in 1971, everybody at the old INS, Immigration and Naturalization Service, the predecessor to Customs and Border Protection, CBP, ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and USCIS, United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. The INS was split up into three elements by George W. Bush, in apparent violation of the Homeland Security Act that created DHS, by the way. Citizenship and Immigration Services was supposed to be spun off as a separate agency, and that was something that I recommended to the members of Congress when I was meeting with them, not as an agent, not as an employee of the old INS, but as a civilian who had insight. But I worked closely with them. And in fact, on the... um, month after 9-11. On November 2001, I was invited to testify before the Immigration Reform Caucus, at the time chaired by Tom Tancredo from Colorado. Then I joined Doug Crum, the former head of the United States Border Patrol, at a public hearing, but it wasn't an official hearing, so they couldn't give me a subpoena. It was a caucus hearing. The media was there. Members of Congress were there. And apparently, my old employer didn't like the fact that I did that, so the next day, I got a package by super-duper overnight express mail telling me that I was no longer an agent because I had injured my leg, my knee, during arrest operations, pardon me, with the NYPD and the FBI. Rather remarkable. Pardon me. In fact, I offered to go back on duty in a limited capacity. The only thing I injured was my knee, not my brain, not my eyes, not my hand, not my, you know, I could do everything. Goodness, forgive the frog that seems to have taken up residence in my throat. So all I was limited in was not being able to go chasing after people. And there were so many things I could have done, but they didn't want me to be there because that's the way it works in government. The truth will set you free for you to look for new employment. But at that hearing in November of 2001, I talked about the immigration enforcement tripod. And I said that, you know, we need to look at this as a holistic approach, not just the Mexican border, not just, um, you know. And and the way I envisioned it, and it was something that, that really gained, as they say in Washington, traction with members of Congress, Jim Sensenbrenner, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, John Hostetler, who was at the time chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, Lamar Smith, who had been chairman of the Immigration Subcommittee, ultimately became the chairman of the judiciary. We, we sat down. I had meetings with them, with their staffers, and I said, look, you have to look at it as a tripod. We've always ignored interior enforcement, and that's why 9-11 happened in large measure. 
But I suggested that the inspectors, the immigration inspectors, a job I did for the first four years of my career, they are responsible for enforcing immigration laws at ports of entry. They use the law to determine who should be admitted, who should not be admitted. Not a hunch. It's not a game. You don't say, gee, I don't like the looks of your eyes. No. There's a section of law or sections of law that govern who gets admitted, who doesn't, and under what circumstances. Uh, a, a very helpful section of law for you to look at. By the way, if you want to refute the lies and nonsense being spewed by our adversaries who want open borders and no immigration enforcement, uh, the lunatic left and the lunatic globalists who don't care about anything but money or ideology, go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. It enumerates the categories of aliens who are to be excluded. There's not a word about race, religion, or ethnicity. And as I keep saying over and over and over again, if in fact that was the criteria, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. It's about aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, think COVID, realize that Ellis Island was a quarantine station, aliens who are severely mentally ill, aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human rights violators and war criminals and fugitives from justice, human traffickers, drug smugglers, aliens who have been previously deported, and aliens who, if they work, will displace Americans and drive down wages. Who could be opposed to enforcing a law like that? What in the world is wrong with that law? What's wrong with the law is it interferes with the immigration delivery system. When you're told the immigration system is broken, um, there's a word for that. It's fertilizer. It is not broken. I'm here to tell you that the immigration system is the most efficient and effective delivery system this side of FedEx and UPS combined. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap exploitable labor, not just the illegals, but the high-tech visas costing Americans who spent decades as programmers and engineers and scientists their jobs, their livelihoods. This is about importing an army of cheap labor to line the pockets of the super wealthy. That's literally the expense of Americans. It delivers an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. That's why we have a visa waiver program signed into law, by the way, by um, Mr. Ronald Reagan an unlimited supply of foreign students. We have been educating our adversaries for years. Some of them are terrorists, uh, the, uh, Chinese engineers who go back to work on the military program for China, all educated in America. Their program has hacked our computers every second of every minute of every hour of every day, and many of their programmers got educated in America. How brilliant. It delivers an unlimited supply clients for immigration law firms. Think about that, both sides of the aisle. It delivers these days with Biden at the helm, or whoever it is that's pulling his strings, an unlimited supply of clients for the so-called NGOs, the non-government organizations. They euphemistically call them nonprofits. Uh, don't believe that. There's lots of money to be made. So people are literally and figuratively making out like bandits by taking down our borders, but at what expense? The 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, was crystal clear that border security is national security, that the way you prevent terrorists from attacking us to keep them out of the country. Of course, the Biden administration now believes that terrorists are white supremacists. It's galling beyond words. You know, let me be clear. Anybody who is of the belief 
that any political gripe, any complaint you have can be resolved by violence is dead wrong, dangerous, uh, and probably should be prosecuted. That's not how a democracy works. That's not how a free society operates. We should have debate. We should have discourse uh, when necessary, when possible, perhaps compromise, as long as it doesn't compromise national security or public safety. But my goodness gracious, <clears throat> to simply say that the people on the right are the problem while ignoring the riots that went on for how long in America, burning how many businesses to the ground, killing how many people, injuring how many people, and the violence still continues, by the way, because the criminal justice system has been perverted, and there are many prosecutors who now think apparently they're defense attorneys. Wow. But Biden's focus is on white supremacists. Now, what's really interesting is that um, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, sent a letter on September 14th of this year <clears throat> to Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI. And the letter started out saying, on July 27th, 2022, we wrote to you about a whistleblower disclosure Sorry, I apparently lost the connection. Um, hopefully you can hear me now. Um, so the idea is that we should all be supportive of the First Amendment, the notion that we can speak our minds, the notion that we have the freedom to disagree. That's why when, God forbid, you have a bad health diagnosis, you go for a second and maybe a third opinion. No one has all the answers. I think we've learned that lesson, haven't we, after covid and the same should hold true for climate change and everything else. Everything we're told should be held up to question. The most valuable return we get from the space program is the next set of questions, okay? And when someone tells you that you don't have the right to question them or question anyone, run for your life because they know that they can't withstand that kind of scrutiny. That's a warning sign. You should be hearing alarm bells when someone says that to you. Realize that. And when you hear the term bleeding heart, it's very upsetting to me. Because to me, a bleeding heart means somebody who's really compassionate. That you watch a commercial about children with cancer or whatever, and you tear up. I do. I can tell you that my wife and I were in tears thinking about that poor service dog at the hospital a couple of days ago. We don't know if the dog survived, all because he or she uh, apparently it sniffed some, some substance in the jail. Does that make me a bleeding heart? Perhaps. Is that a bad thing? I don't think it is. Let's be careful with our language. Let's try to get our neighbors to understand that we're not being partisan, we're being pro-American. I was on an earlier show today, Bobby Gunther Walsh over at WAEB, I'm on with his show generally every other week. He's out of uh, Pennsylvania. And we were talking that FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, had penned an article about how many billions of dollars the millions of illegal aliens flooding into America by Biden is going to cost us. It was a high number. Well, guess what? We already have perhaps 30 or 40 million illegal aliens in the United States. You get that 11 million. That's nonsense. Even Yale University back in 2018 said that the number was probably 22 or 23 million. I think that's a low number. And now, goodness gracious, who knows how many are here? Well, if two or three million are costing us tens of billions. 
what are the 30 or 40 million aliens costing us? And, and that's the problem that we have is nobody addresses the issue. And then everyone says, we've got to solve the immigration problem. Let's have comprehensive immigration reform. And, and then the usual metric is once we secure the Mexican border, then we can go ahead and give lawful status to everybody who's been here for a certain period of time. So, so let me give you an insider's view about what's wrong with all of the above. I never understood why the Border Patrol was the be-all and end-all of immigration law enforcement, why it was that when I hired on with the old INS, we immediately went down to um, Los Fresnos, Texas, to the Border Patrol Academy. The Border Patrol does dangerous, important work. Don't for a heartbeat misunderstand what I'm telling you. But it only represents one mission that needs to be done, and the mission is interdiction to try to find those people evading the inspections process we conducted ports of entry, people that are basically breaking and entering, okay? They're like the school crossing guards, but the stakes are far higher because the people they're dealing with, especially in this day and age, are heavily armed and might be terrorists, criminals, fugitives, and so forth. But half the illegal aliens in the United States until now didn't run the borders, but they came through ports of entry and then disappeared into the night. Do you know what the Border Patrol does in those cases? Not a damn thing. It's not their job. That's the job of ICE. We've determined that immigration fraud, aliens lying on applications for visas and immigration benefits, was the primary method for terrorists repeatedly to enter the country and hide in plain sight, or in the language of the 9-11 Commission, embed themselves. Okay? Guess what the Border Patrol does to combat immigration fraud? Nothing. Not their job. What's the Border Patrol mission? Interdiction. When employers hire illegal aliens other than farms and ranches within the rough area of the borders of the United States, what does the Border Patrol do? What do they do when a factory in Manhattan hires illegal aliens? Or, or when a sweatshop in Chicago manufactures clothing and employs illegal aliens, what does the Border Patrol do to, to prevent that? You got it. Nothing. Why? because their job is interdiction. Who does that job? ICE. Why then do we not hear anything about ICE? Why then do we hear from the Republicans, Ted Cruz and, uh, and all the others, that what we need to do is hire not 87,000 tax agents, IRS agents, but 87,000 Border Patrol agents? Really? Nonsense. Why is it only the Mexican border? Look at the Canadian border. Look at the fact that we have 95,000 miles of coastline. Right now, there are millions of illegal aliens in the United States who came in because of Biden. What is the mission of the Border Patrol to look for those aliens once they've been moved away from the border? What will the Border Patrol do to look for those illegal aliens when they refuse to show up for hearings or when they refuse to leave when they've been ordered deported and they split? Yep, that's right, nothing. Why? Because that's the job for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The failure of the immigration system is a failure to have meaningful interior enforcement. That was the point that I made when I testified before the Immigration Reform Caucus back in 2001. See, the immigration laws are enforced at the ports of entry by the inspectors, between ports of entry by the Border Patrol, but it's ICE the agents that enforce the laws from within the interior. 
and we've never had an adequate number. At, at most, we had 6,000 ICE agents, but the way that Bush configured the agency, only about 2,000 of them were doing immigration work. 2,000 ICE agents for the entire country. 2,000, I, I just think about that. And, and look at the jobs they have. Go after criminal aliens who are deported, re-enter illegally. Aliens who work illegally. Aliens who commit fraud on application. Aliens who are um, the targets of investigations by the Joint Terrorism Task Force because you have ICE agents assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force. You have ICE agents assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force where I was assigned for a decade. Not the Border Patrol, ICE. So you have all these missions. And how many agents? 2,000. How many IRS agents? Well, now it turns out that with this passage of this bill, 87,000 more will more than double the number of IRS agents. So what are we talking about, 150,000? Think about that. 150,000 internal revenue agents to make certain that you don't fudge on your taxes. But Alejandro Mayorkas has publicly stated that when people lie on applications for citizenship, guess what they will do? Absolutely fuckish. Nothing. Nada is a not a damn thing. Why? Because they are now Americans and they're entitled to the protection of the United States government. If they became Americans by lying, they could lose their citizenship because it was ill-gotten. Okay? But Mallorca says, no. If you lie through your teeth about material facts, we will take no action. Unless maybe you're a Nazi war criminal or something. And how many of those pieces of garbage are still alive between zero and none understand the point it's been said that one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter you have to really wonder about Mayorkas's orientation why he isn't using the 9-11 commission report um, to guide his actions as the head of homeland security why is no one even raising that report except for a couple of members of congress who are now raising it uh, my friend Lou Barletta, who used to be the mayor of Hazelden, became a member of Congress, sat on the Homeland Security Committee. He frequently quoted me talking about the 9-11 Commission report. But this should be out there every single day because we are at risk of terror. Why? Because of what happened in Afghanistan. And by the way, take a pencil and write this down. This coming Wednesday, HBO will be doing a documentary about how we, how we left Kabul in Afghanistan. Uh, this should be interesting. So we wound up liberating 5,000 known terrorists, giving them tens of billions of dollars of military hardware, and we have a wide open border, and we have no idea who's here. What could possibly go wrong? The 9-11 Commission was so crystal clear about the dangers that we face because of immigration fraud. And what are we doing about it? Well, you've got the head of Homeland Security making it crystal clear that if you commit immigration fraud, they will take no action. Think about that. Think about that. The, um, the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel was a, a companion report written by the agents and the attorneys who worked for the 9-11 Commission. And what they found out was that human traffickers, drug smugglers, often one and the same, were involved in the movement of terrorists around the country. 
And then they talked about immigration fraud. This is from that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Once terrorists had entered the United States, the next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories and they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alim, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the agricultural worker program, but was rejected. The Admiral Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, this was the 93 bombing, by the way, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. After he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. So we had two illegal aliens, one renting the truck, the other driving the truck that was used to attack the Trade Center in 93. When that truck bomb went off, it killed six people, injured over 1,000, and inflicted a half billion dollars in damages, almost brought the tower down sideways, which would have probably cost a couple of hundred thousand lives. And now sanctuary states give driver's licenses to undocumented aliens whose identity can't be verified. And it endangers Americans in every state because once you get a license in the United States from any state, you can go to any other state and rent a vehicle. And it gives you a level of credibility you shouldn't have. The 9-11 hijackers, those 19 hijackers in the aggregate, use more than 360 false names. They had driver's licenses and multiple names, covering their tracks and stealing their activities. So Americans are going to come under extreme scrutiny by the IRS. But if you're here illegally, you are literally home free. You will get free housing, free health care, free clothing, free education, a driver's license, God knows what else, leaving us vulnerable. Is our own government trying to get the MVP award from ISIS, Al-Qaeda, China, Iran, Russia? I don't know. North Korea? The actions being taken are undermining national security and public safety. And this is not a statement of xenophobia. It's a statement of reality. I don't get it. And the focus for immigration law enforcement traditionally has been uh, the United States and Mexico. And meanwhile, we have illegal aliens from every country on the planet, including countries that sponsor terrorism. But what we keep hearing is once we secure the Mexican border. Why in the world would you want to give legal status to tens of millions of illegal aliens without a hope of conducting interviews, let alone a field investigation? And by the way, if you legalize all these folks, they will have an immediate and absolute right to petition to have every one of their minor children enter the United States along with their spouses. The spouses of the alien gets legalized. So if, especially when you're looking at men, and I've seen this, the men do not have to be married to the mothers of the children they claim they fathered. And you would hope they would do DNA, but not with Mayorkas, who doesn't want to deny a petition to anybody. And if you read what I've written about him, even when the FBI came to him, when, um, um, when, when he was the head of citizenship and immigration services under uh, Obama, and they said, you know, there's a company here that you're, you're approving petitions for, and they have an apparent nexus to Iranian terrorist groups. You've got to not approve these petitions. You must deny them. Mayorkas said, well, we're going to approve them, and he did. And he got away with it, and I want to know why. What does he really think his job is? 
What does Biden think his job is? What does Kamala Harris think her job is? I'm not being partisan. I'm being an American. I live through 9-11 here in New York. I want to understand the thought process. That's what I really want to understand. How in the world do you justify the actions that they're taking? Why would you do this? I've yet to see a reasonable explanation. And they just keep lying. Oh, the borders are secure. The borders are secure. You go down there, they're not secure. I don't understand how the president of the United States can lie so blatantly and get away with it. I want to understand how the news media isn't all over this. Because if God forbid there's another terrorist attack, the first thing that people are going to be screaming is, how did it happen? After 9-11, I remember how many of those politicians from both parties stood at the podium, pounded the podium, and demanded to know why no one connected the dots. Well, we have connected the dots. In fact, I, I helped to connect the dots by testifying at a bunch of hearings besides providing testimony to the 9-11 Commission. We've connected the dots. The members of Congress and other politicians said, maybe we should go to Hollywood because they're good at coming up with, with creative plans to do harm. We weren't creative enough in, in, in understanding it. How creative do you have to be to not understand that if you let millions of people into your country without the ability to vet them, that you're going to get a bad outcome? In fact, there was no ID report that echoed my concerns about an article I wrote about how we were giving visas to Afghanis without knowing who in the world we were giving visas to. Turns out that we've released people into the United States who likely have connections to terrorism, and they're here. And they didn't run the Mexican border, but that's all we hear about. There is absolutely no justification for a massive amnesty program. But understand what happens every time a politician from either party says we need to give legal status to these people. They are incentivizing the next tsunami of illegal aliens to head for the border, confident that if they can get here, <clears throat> the idiots on both sides of the aisle will give them lawful status so they can bring their entire families here. Some of them are desperate fleeing poverty and crime. Others might be fugitives fleeing law enforcement, and others might be terrorists or criminals looking to set, set up shop in America. So how in the world are these actions helpful to Americans? How are these promises of lawful status for millions of illegal aliens reasonable when we know that all you're doing is incentivizing more illegal immigration while simultaneously undermining national security and public safety, not to mention the economy? I started talking about FAIR and how much money it costs to the couple of million that Biden let in Understand the impact ripples throughout our society. If you want to be sustainable, look at California. They want people to drive electric vehicles, but they told them don't plug them in because we're having a power problem. They have a water shortage. And every day more aliens are getting into the country. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I did a little bit of digging, and it turns out that every human being requires about 100 gallons of water per day. So if you have a drought, the last thing you need is more people who are going to need 100 gallons of water. If, let's say, Biden let in 2 million aliens, that means 200 million gallons of water per day are now being used by people who shouldn't be here in the first place. 200 million gallons of water each and every day, weekends included. 
what are we doing? Everybody here requires electricity. The power grid in California can't deal with the load now. So what are we going to do? Have more people come in that need more electricity? <clears throat> the Congressional Budget Office did a study that determined that it costs 20 to 40% more to educate children who are not English proficient. How does that help the education of American children? We're hearing so much about how reading scores and math scores are falling. And the media is quick to say, well, it was a lockdown because of COVID. And I'm sure it, it hurt. I'm certain it didn't help anybody. I think that was probably a fair statement. But why is it that no one is asking some other questions? Could it be that we've admitted so many alien children who can't do well on the test because they're not English proficient that they are pulling down the average test score? Could it be that because so many resources are now being devoted to English as a second language, that American kids with learning disabilities and American children who need early intervention because they have autism aren't getting the services they need, so they're not doing as well as they could be doing. You see, there's an immigration element to all these stories, isn't there? Are you hearing that in the media? Absolutely not. Is it not reasonable to ask the questions? Of course it is, but that's why they don't want people asking questions because they don't have answers, and they know they don't have answers. So rather than try to figure out what to say, they shut down the process by which we question our leaders. <coughs> Why bother making up lies when you could just tell the people to shut up? I mean, isn't that what they're attempting to do? To shut down debate, shut down discussion, shut down the First Amendment? shut down democracy, shut down freedom. This is dangerous. It's un-American. We as Americans have an absolute right, 101% right, to demand answers from the people that we elect. And when they refuse to answer the questions, they need to be voted out of office for insubordination, if for no other reason. Insubordination is a fireable offense. Ignoring the oath of office should be a fireable offense. Orchestrating an invasion of America should be a fireable offense because the Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution states clearly that the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and protected against invasion and domestic violence. If you don't think millions of illegal aliens flowing freely across our borders constitutes an invasion, then you better get a new dictionary. So when we hear this nonsense about crisis on the southern border, that's wrong. It is one of the immigration crises that we're suffering from, but the entire system is dysfunctional, and it's dysfunctional because it is now a delivery system and has been for decades to placate the bribers. Oh, I'm sorry, I keep using the wrong language, the political contributors. I have such a problem with language sometimes. As an agent, I wasn't allowed to accept a cup of coffee or a glass of soda on duty. The politicians get money with both hands, and if you don't think it impacts how they do business, you're crazy and naive beyond words. And then when you hear the politicians lie and say, oh, I don't take PAC money, you know, political action committee, baloney, they all do, I guarantee it, unless 
they're not doing the bidding of their bosses in the political party. And that's how they kneecap a politician. They cut off their funding so they can't win the next election. So those who win elected office repeatedly are getting funding by their party. And the party, I assure you, is getting lots and lots and lots of tax money from the American Immigration Lawyers Association, from the United States Chamber of Commerce, from all these wonderful NGOs, you know, the non-profits, sure thing. We're living in a very perilous era. This next election is important. But simply because a candidate professes to be a Republican doesn't guarantee that this candidate will act in our best interest. We as Americans need to hold these politicians accountable, and I don't care if they're from the Hopping Kangaroo Party, because it's been a long time since either party made the best interests of the average American their priority. And I don't think anyone can disagree with that statement. It's both parties that got us into this mess. In fact, it was the Republicans who wanted the cheap labor before the Democrats. But now I believe that what the Democrats want is to crash the economy so that every American will have to depend on a handout from the government. And the party of the handout, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't been paying attention, is the Democrat Party. So what what I believe is what Democrats are trying to do is gain total control over our government. Uh, And boy, oh boy, if that doesn't keep you awake at night, you're, you're a better person than I am. We really need to be smart about this. We need to have those conversations with our neighbors. That's why I always make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. We need to sit down with our neighbors. Please share the link to this podcast with them. Share the links to my articles with them. Raise the questions that I'm raising with them. Don't come on like gangbusters. Insults certainly don't do any good for anybody. Let's just have an honest calm, fact-based conversation. And you know what John Adams said, facts are stubborn things. The facts I've given you tonight are irrefutable. Irrefutable. By the way, I'm going to be on uh, Dr. Dave Janda's radio program at 2.30 p.m. East Coast time this coming Sunday, Operation Freedom on WAM, W-A-A-M Talk Radio out of Michigan. Um, You know, I'm doing everything I can to educate as many of our fellow Americans as I can. I hope you will join my Bucket Brigade of Truth and share my articles, share a link to this podcast, and do what I ask you to do. Engage your neighbors, your family members, everybody, in a quiet, fact-based conversation. Fact-based conversation. It's irrefutable that America can't admit the entire world. It's irrefutable that Americans are losing their jobs, their livelihoods, and all too frequently their lives because we're permitting a flood of drugs and criminals sent to the United States. That's not to say that every alien who comes here is a criminal. Absolutely not. But the final point to remember is that transnational criminals, I don't care what part of the world they come from because uh, human nature is universal. Let me make that point again. Human nature is universal. We all bleed red when we're cut. And we all have the same basic mentality. It's called human nature. So the criminals tend to live in the same ethnic immigrant communities that most resemble who they are. They're comfortable in that community, and it's easier to hide in plain sight when everyone else more or less looks the way you do. There's nothing anti-immigrant about permitting 
criminal to enter the United States and ply their trades within those immigrant communities. And most often their victims, sadly, are the same aliens who came to America legally trying to get away from the crime, corruption, and violence in their home countries. Please have those conversations with your neighbors, folks. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Night of the Have a great weekend.